You are listening to the Global Sales Leader Podcast. I'm your host every week. My name is Jason Cooper. This is episode 61 with the exceptional Jamie Shanks. And we're going to be talking about social media, but really it's just sales now and how it's all integrated together. And we're going to be talking about technology and how it enables us to be better and more effective at prospecting and knowing our clients. So you're going to enjoy this one. Again, lots of golden nuggets of knowledge and information for you. Hello, good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. And wherever you are in this wide, wonderful world, you are very welcome to the Global Sales Leader Bus. I'm your host, Jason Cooper. I'm the sales relationship coach. And what does that mean? Well, it means lots of things to lots of different people. Um, in sales, um, it is about getting that connection, it's about getting that value, it's about understanding that trust and that connection. But once you've done the sale and you build momentum, I think it's all about longevity of a customer and building those long-term relationships with key stakeholders within organizations, large and small, and connecting the dots between the people that make the right decisions, but also the influencers and so much more. How you can make an impact with what you do with trust, credibility, commitment and do more than you say you're going to do so this series it's all about sales leadership psychology around uh the sales process behavior behavior economics body language linguistics and obviously technology so i have my good friend here on my right jamie shanks you are very well welcome thank you so much for having me uh, looking forward to the conversation as every week. Uh, always excited about what we do. So, Jamie is a CEO of Pipeline Signals, a SaaS firm that enables businesses to scale through relationship signal intelligence monitoring. Well, I'm excited to find out a little bit more about that because uh, everything that I do is all about relationship. I'd like to connect that. Can you tell me a little bit more about? how you got into what you're doing and the incremental steps to where you are now. Yeah, I, uh, I never wanted to be a sales professional. I wanted to be a stockbroker. And then I became a stockbroker during the dot-com bubble and uh, watched the markets implode and decided to leave. And I moved to Australia, did my master's degree. And when I came back, the only company that would hire me was in commercial real estate. And it was a 100% commission sales job, cold calling CEOs and CFOs all day long. So I cut my chops in commercial real estate, moved to a SaaS software company, took it from zero to profitability, and decided to start my own consulting company uh, 12 years ago. And on that journey for the first couple of years, I was a failed consultant. I was a jack of all trades, expert of nothing. And I was very fortunate 10 years ago to see around a corner and see an emerging opportunity that this tool LinkedIn would open up doors as a business development tool. So I called it social selling, built a global sales training curriculum around it, scaled 600 global customers, 
and for 10 years grew up this company, Sales for Life. And along that journey, customers would say to me, well, if you're teaching me to do this, such as reverse engineer our customers on LinkedIn to look for people on the move going into prospects, why don't you build a do it for you business and monitor our customers for us? And that was the birth of Pipeline Signals. We incorporated the business um, in the summer of 2021 and now scaling this managed service software business uh, on behalf of our customers. Wow, that seems incredible. I, I love the idea of engineering that and obviously using LinkedIn to enable you to find customers and obviously finding out where they're going. That really intrigues me. So the idea about social selling, there's lots of been written about that. Uh, and it's gone in an integral, dynamic way. But I'm also curious about, because um, I think everyone that has been successful has had a few challenges and failures in the past, uh, as I have. So what gave you that, that really burst of enthusiasm to find your success? Well, actually, it was based and routed in failure. So essentially, I had a consulting company that was going nowhere. I had very few customers, couldn't pay the bills. And I would stay up late at night on my laptop, kind of fretting, how do I create business for myself first? And the global head office to my company, the spare bedroom, um, was you know the laptop there at three in the morning. And I started playing around with LinkedIn from the mindset of a prospector. And I would think about how I could dive into other people's LinkedIn connections, how there was a tool ironically in LinkedIn at that time called Signals, which at that time they, they banned it after a year. Every single thing a person did on LinkedIn could be tracked. So every connection they made, uh, every post they made, it was kind of like a ticker. And I would monitor that. And I saw this ability to use it like uh, cold calling. And I could, and it did kind of the left brain and the, the right brain at the same time. The left brain, it helped me collect intelligence on people I wanted to prospect. And on the right brain, it allowed me a communication medium that was yet to be polluted. And I could engage customers in a bold and different way there uh, in a way that they we're not receiving in cold calls and emails. And so that's kind of where it all came from. And so it was it was rooted in desperation as to why I kind of traveled down that path. I'm, I'm curious to know, um, I LinkedIn as a tool, but I get a lot of uh, emails coming in and sort of spammy, in, spammy stuff that comes in. How can you get to uh, an an organic approach which helps the customer but also entices them to reflect on the the conversations that you have because i always believe that um people in an email or whatever and spamming them without building that relationship i, I get that funny feeling in my stomach so i'm not not that interested thank you very much how can we get past that well, the first big challenge is that sales professionals believe that whatever message medium they've been using, let's say email, 
they just take the template and the, they use the same cadence and sequence from their emails and they put it into LinkedIn and expect that it might have a similar uh, return on investment. Crap in is crap out at the end of the day. And typical email conversions are in the few percentile, 1%, 2 3 4 5%. Well, that means you'd have to send 100 LinkedIn messages to get a few positive responses. So that that it kind of exacerbates how awful that conversion is because it becomes real because these are real humans you're engaging. One of the things that needs to be taught the sales professionals is that if I'm trying to book a meeting with you, Jason, I need to understand what's called the time for knowledge exchange. So you are the, uh, the, the buyer. And as the buyer, yeah. your time is worth 500 or $1,000 or pounds or euros an hour. And every moment that you're not engaged in your priorities takes away from that. And so myself as the yeah. seller, I need to give you something in that message that pushes you off your status quo and paints the opportunity cost that if you don't learn more about this next Thursday at two o'clock at Greenwich Mean Time, then all of a sudden this is going to be a big problem for you. So the time for knowledge exchange is mm -hmm. you have time to give. I must give you knowledge you don't yet already know. That could be routed in a competitive intelligence report. That could be data and sales intelligence that they've never seen before. That could be um, a product usage or a, a quick video of a demo where they go, I, I didn't realize something like this existed. It has to be tangible to which when you receive that message, you go, oh my God, like I didn't know any of this. You know what? I am free next Thursday at two o'clock and I am willing to part with a half an hour of my time to learn more. And until sellers understand that what they're what they're buying and selling is not a product or a service, but is time from Jason, 30 minute increments of time from Jason, then they will treat that as acquiring that time has to be given something like knowledge of great value to get it. I love that. I think that's so important. And what you've just said is what I was thinking is once you can give something of value, then I can invest my time because I want to learn more. If it's going to impact my business or it's going to make me sell more or it's going to do something. So that value rather than, hi, I'm Jason. I do X and Y. Do you want to buy? Uh, that, that just goes over people's heads and that probably just that credibility and that trust and that connection is lost. And, and what you just said is also uh, kind of skates over sellers' heads. Value creation is only done three ways. You can either make people money, save them money, or mitigate their risk. Risk of failure, lawsuit, job loss, what have you. If you can't articulate that you either make me money, save me money, or mitigate my risk, then all you're doing is highlighting a feature and an advantage. And that's not what's going to move me. Yeah. So what moves me as an entrepreneur is somebody has to tell me how they're going to save me money so I have more profit. They're going to make me more money so I have more profit. Or they mitigate my risk of losing my business. Outside of that, it's not a priority. So uh, creating better engagements and relationships through social selling, from your 
uh, experience? Because uh, I know you've written selling mastery, scaling up your sales and marketing machine. But that was a mouthful. Uh, but I think that's just so important. But you have to make that connection. So how how do you enable relationships on social selling wise? And I, I'm I mean more LinkedIn as opposed to the other networks. I know the other networks work for branding, personal branding and all of that. But I, I find, but tell me if I'm wrong, LinkedIn is probably the best tool. Yeah. So before we started this call, you said you like to have conversations on podcasts like we're at the pub. So let's use the pub analogy. I walk in and I tap you on the shoulder and I say, uh, hey, I'm selling life insurance. Do you want to buy some? You'd be like, you know what? Get out of here. Like, what, what are you doing? And I think that sales professionals have lost the reality, the empathy that is we are a part of a social club, this LinkedIn thing, and it's like a pub or you know, at home we, in Canada, we call it the bar. And, it, you know, if I'm trying to court a, a woman, I'm not going to tap her on the shoulder and say, do you want to buy life insurance, right? And so the first thing that might happen as normal human etiquette is I might tap you on the, uh, on the shoulder and I might compliment you. Jason, I noticed you posted this article. Fantastic. I might add my thoughts to demonstrate that I'm a thoughtful, useful person. Here are my thoughts on what you said last week. By the way, um, can I buy you a beer? Uh, meaning, can I connect with you on LinkedIn? And we'll constantly be able to share best practices in the future. So step one, law of reciprocity. I give back to the community that you served. You shared content. I commented. Step two, I might connect with you. I'm not selling you. I'm just adding you to a resource library where we can share ideas in the future. Then I might take it to a, a private message and say, oh, by the way, I've got a party going on next week. Um, we should talk about some of these best practices and here's why. And so there's like a logical order of operations that you would do in face-to-face -face human engagement that sometimes gets lost in translation and the social world. And so you're just bringing that same mindset into the social world. I I was uh, funny enough. I was on a I did a training course in the midst of lockdown, my, one of my first ones, uh, and I was trying to explain uh, social selling to one of the guys that just went, "I'm not bought into social selling." I went, "Okay, uh, I've liked a few posts. They're not engaging with me." I said. if you did and he was just doing it and he was doing it to his clients but it, it wasn't giving any sort of value forward it wasn't giving any sort of commentary it wasn't giving anything else apart from do you want to buy and the other person the buyer was probably going just leave me alone it, it wasn't it wasn't any sort of uh the chaldean laws of influence and persuasion that you just saw yeah yeah and it's amazing, pre-COVID, so I used to have a graph. As I spoke at 40 or 50 sales kickoffs and quarterly business reviews every year from the year 2014 to the year 2000 and early 2020. 
And it had what I believed would be a life cycle in which social selling would no longer be called social selling. It would just be called sales. It would be like teaching somebody email selling now. It'd be like, no, no, that's just called sales. And that graph started to go from a leading, you know, uh, early indicators or early adopters to kind of its, its peak. And then it would become standard operating procedure by the year 2025. And these were graphs done by Gartner. And COVID completely collapsed that timeline. And I imagine when you started delivering training post-COVID in a virtual digital world, the non-social sellers had two options, accept modern digital social selling or don't be in sales anymore. Because for the next, what they didn't realize was for the next couple of years, their life completely changed from a prospecting standpoint. Yeah. Uh, the point that I, I I always try to raise, I've done a huge amount of work with uh, Google and other big corporates like that, but I believe your brand is hugely important now. What I mean by that is, uh, and you're nodding your head because you're already there, uh, it's, it's what you portray in your social world. It's showing people what you do but in an authentic way by giving value forward, by writing articles and putting them, sharing them on, sharing them on an article or even video or anything like that. Because that what that does, it shows your seller, number one, who you are in video. They can hear what you sound like. They can trust you what you do and they can hear your expertise. And all of that is to do with buying it's all to do with who you are and you're projecting who you are and i think every seller should be doing this yeah and i i i I don't understand why a larger percentage of the sales force doesn't understand this and i think it comes down to everything in in sales is pareto's law 20 percent of sellers create 80 percent of impact 20 percent of sellers are already there 20% 20% of sellers understand yeah. that the more they give to a community, the more that community trusts them and comes back to them. And they'll, they'll, they're high producing sales professionals because they've created a social brand. I think it's also because 80% of sellers treat sales as a job, not as a vocation or endless career. And they don't understand that as a seller, you are an intrapreneur. You are a business within a business. And if you treat it as such, like a franchisee, you would do anything you need to be successful in your ecosystem. And I think, unfortunately, sales professionals see it as, well, it's just a job. I'll talk to some customers, talk to some others, but they'll get the the results that are given to them, right? Or they'll get the results that they put out in the world. it's unfortunate. The, the, the average seller just does not put in the time, money, and energy into themselves to give themselves that great opportunity to succeed. And I think by giving to a community, by sharing their ideas, naturally the customer, who, as a customer, who would you rather deal with? The nameless, faceless ghost or the person who appears to be a credible expert? I mean, that's just obvious. Something that I do um, is on my um, email signatures, 
uh, and if I am engaging with a client uh, for whatever reason, I say, oh, you might like this interview that I did with Jamie. Uh, he talks about the social selling, uh, really interesting. Um, I'll, I'll give it to you plus this other article or whatever, but you give value forward because you would like to think that it's an interest for them. Plus they can see you and they can also see me chatting about social selling, about sales in general or whatever it might be. But I think that personal brand is just so comparatively important. Curious to know, just I want to know, um, because I, I like tech as well, and I'm interested in your tech, how does it actually work? Yes. So an average sales professional will have dozens or 50 or 100 accounts. And what will happen is 3% of those accounts will change every month meaning people will be hired in, be promoted, or leave. So now I want you to extrapolate that at scale across an organization. The challenge is at the organizational level, it's nearly impossible for an organization to take what is one of the highest converting sales plays. Customers on the move, your advocates or fans are leaving your customer base. They're going into other customers, open opportunities, named prospect accounts, and greenfield accounts, meaning accounts you never even considered prospecting in. So every day, every week, every month, this human capital migration is happening. And these opportunities are going everywhere. Unfortunately, your sales team, it's impossible for them to harness the sales intelligence, keep track of it, organize it in your CRM, turn it into actionable leads. So what we did is we created a managed service that actually does this on behalf of our customers. So we track every one of our customers' customers and their prospects. And as an example, let's say you sold into human resources, any change in the human resources department in any account in the world will tell you who they were, where they came from, how long ago they were a customer, what they do today. Here's their LinkedIn profile, here's their email address. It has all the information you need to convert this from a lead to a sales qualified lead. And then what we do is we train the sales team every month to make sure that the accountability that these leads are being followed up on to turn to sales qualified leads. And that's what this technology does is to make sure that you never miss customers on the move ever again. Interesting. Uh, and does it, uh, I'm just curious uh, from a geeky point of view. So does it scrape the internet? Uh, I think that's the right term. No, uh, any LinkedIn profile is a public URL. Yeah. There's 880 million LinkedIn profiles. And technology has the ability to harness when those websites change. And once they change, like a LinkedIn profile, then we enrich that data with various sources. And then we route it into our customers' CRM or sales engagement platform so that they can prospect using that information. Ah, so uh, as curiosity, because I always want to give golden nuggets of information and knowledge to our listeners, because if they don't use tools like this, they're not as educated on the clients and the customers. And if they do move, I think they need to know. Does it also give data of other information that they've posted and other sort of knowledgeable information that they can spark a conversation off with a client. 
At the current time, it is tracking the human capital migration. In the future, it could also enrich that data with what we'll call almost like account planning or uh, ideal customer profile planning. What are the things that that person's talking about? What's important to them and so forth? That's a, that's a great future enrichment that could happen. But right now, we know that customers on the move is an important play. And so if somebody leaves company A and goes to company B, you're automatically notified. Yeah. So where else do you see the future uh, lies for technology like this? And maybe uh, integrations into Salesforce and other things. But where do you see um, the, the technology? Yeah, I, I think that there'll be an amalgamation of sales intelligence tools to creating better single sources of truth. So right now, you have us who's monitoring customers on the move. You have tools that do buying intent. You have tools that do peer reviews. You have tools that do uh, you know, chat functions and social posts. And so as a seller, you're trying to triangulate all of this sales intelligence to make the most informed decisions you can around probably the most two important things that you'll decide as a prospector account selection and account prioritization. So I believe over time, there will be tools that harness that intelligence and help you determine, do you focus on account A versus B today? And if you chose B, do you do it today versus tomorrow? So that decision-making logic, scoring systems will be where this all goes. Awesome, I love that. Uh, because it's all about the future, but utilizing the products that we actually have today to make an impact. So a um, question I always like to ask, Jamie, is if you were interviewing you and you were sitting next to you, what sort of question would you ask yourself? Wow, okay. I <laughs> wasn't prepared for that one. What would you ask me? I probably, I'm the kind of person that learns through failure more than successes. So if you look at my entrepreneurial career, I'm a believer that I've made five great moves and 95 mistakes. So there's two ways to ask the question. I would either ask the question, like what are the top two or three biggest mistakes you made so that you can take those big chunky mistakes off the table? Or what are the two or three smartest things you ever did to get your businesses going? And I would kind of lean in on those. Okay, then lean in on one of those. I would say I'll take maybe one from each camp. One of the smartest things that I ever did when I started Sales for Life was that I actually gave away the training for free to 10 companies in exchange, in a signed statement of work, that they had to give references and testimonials no matter who called them, as long as I delivered on the deliverables, the scope and the deliverables. So I had in my first year when I started it, 10 incredible customer references where I could shop that and then use the sphere of influence. So customers on the move from those companies, I actually watched people leave those companies and go to other companies and I would prospect them. And that's the spider webbing effect that I used to grow sales for life. And I, I would say one of the biggest mistakes that I ever made was, um, trying to avoid things that I was not strong on. Uh, so as an entrepreneur, I didn't have strong financial acumen as an entrepreneur. And 
what I, I would try to brush those into the corner rather than learning some basics, being competent, and then hiring people around me who were smarter, but at least that I would be able to gauge, are they doing the right things? I chose to ignore it completely and um, got into trouble a couple times where I, I didn't understand the, the basic financials of my own business. Yeah, I, I think that's um, some thing that a lot of people go into. You can't be experts at everything uh, and you need to hire people around you that are just good at that. Like that side of the business, I'm no good at. So I have to do get other people to do that because I'm just no good at that side of the business. You can't be chief of thing and then you're chief of nothing rather than just going, this is where I'm really good at this is an area that I'm not so good at and I don't like it. So I give it to someone else that likes it better than me. Exactly. If that makes sense. Uh, really interesting. I love the golden nuggets. Look, Jamie, you've been such an incredible guest. How can people find more about you? Connect with me on LinkedIn is uh, really easy. Uh, number two is go to pipelinesignals.com. And um, we are there to help you generate lead flow, customers on the move at the same time, uh, enable you to be successful. And you've also got a couple as well. So I, I, I'm in the ticker, but for the audio listeners, which is majority of it, uh, you have two books there as well, don't you? Yes. And you can buy them on, on Audibles or Amazon and listen to them uh, as well. Excellent. Thank you so much uh, for being my guest on the Global Sales Leader podcast. I'm your host every week. I speak to phenomenal guests in around the world of sales. And I like to skirt around because I'm fascinated by technology. I'm also fascinated by coaching, psychology, behavior, body language, linguistics, and lots of other things around success and what success means to be in cells. So thank you once again. You've listened to the Global Sales Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cooper. I'm the sales relationship coach from jasoncooper.io. You can email me at jcooper at jasoncooper.io. If you like this and you like other episodes, we all talk about sales, sales leadership, psychology, behavior, economics, coaching, leadership, obviously, and so much more, and obviously technology as well. So hope you enjoyed this episode. We shall see you on the next one.